Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It was a fun football weekend. We are back from Athens, where Georgia took care of Kentucky. Athens, a great setting for Outkick the Tailgate, presented by Farm Folio. Hopefully you joined us on Saturday. If you missed it, you can watch that on replay through our YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick 360. You can also join us if you're in the Nashville area, Middle Tennessee area. Outkick the Tailgate live this coming Saturday from right here at 6th and Peabody, home to the Outkick 360 studios with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. We are going big. We'll be outside in their state-of-the-art beer garden here at their facility at 6th and Peabody. If you're in town, join us Saturday morning, 8 to 11. We'll broadcast live across the Outkick network. Sort of a hometown pep rally for us, Hutton. Uh, Jill Savage will be coming in, not her hometown, but she'll be here with us. It's going to be a lot of fun, so... If you're interested in joining us at 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, please come down this Saturday, 8 to 11 local time. We're looking forward to it. One uh, note for tonight's game, uh, Monday Night Football here in Nashville. Titans have activated Amani Hooker. They're starting strong safety who's been out for a time. Uh, got hurt in the season opener against Arizona. Uh, big difference maker for them compared to the guy he's replacing, Dane Cruikshank, who's for been sure. struggling. So that is a big addition. Christian Fulton goes to IR. That is a big loss. He, we knew he was out for tonight, but he's out for at least two more games after that. Caleb Farley, the first-round draft pick, expected to start in his place tonight. Uh, we're overdue to see him and to see him produce. Coming up in an hour, a full Titans-Bills preview headed your way here on OutKick 360. Um, Georgia number one. We saw them this past weekend against Kentucky. Iowa falls to Purdue as the number two ranked team. They fall out of the top ten with that loss. Cincinnati up one spot to number two in the country. Iowa, guys, in this game, forced just a single punt through the first 54 minutes of Saturday's game. And they were dominated. Purdue dominated them. There you see the the top 25 uh, AP poll. Georgia number one. Cincinnati number two. Oklahoma up to three. Alabama moves up one spot. Ohio State up one spot. Michigan up two. Rounding out the top ten. Penn State. Oklahoma State after their win over Texas moves up four spots to number eight. Michigan State to nine. They'll be playing Michigan head-to-head, not this week, but next week. And what is a big game? Uh, the same A week from Saturday will feature Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, Penn State. So a big weekend in the big, in the big Ten. And Oregon down one spot to number 10 overall. Iowa falls to 11th after that performance. And, and, and watching and, and following this game, Purdue dominated Iowa in virtually every statistical category when you start to look at what happened. And... What what really happened is Iowa wasn't able to run the football because, number one, their defense did not create the amount of turnovers we're accustomed to watching. Purdue did not turn it over. And when they separated the score, Iowa had to throw the football. And that's just not the remedy for how they play with Petrus at quarterback. 
Well, it felt like a house of cards for Iowa uh, throughout. You know, they got four turnovers against Iowa State. Three of those inside the red zone for Iowa State about to score, win that game. Uh, they were routinely knocking quarterbacks out of the game. Sean Clifford, Penn State's got a lead in that game. He gets hurt. They end up winning that game, a close one. Defense is really good, not taking, not taking anything away from them. That offense is pedestrian at best. It was ranked in the 100s going into that game. They had a worse offense statistically than UMass, who won their first game in two years the week before against UConn. By the way, shout out to UConn. Congrats on ending that losing streak to Yale uh, this past week. Iowa was always a fraud offensively, and Purdue completely exposed them in this game. Just uh, it shows you, like, so, so, as big as these ra- ratings, rankings are, um, some of them aren't worth the paper you'd print them out on uh, week to week. And you just listed, you know, some of those games coming up. Mm-hmm. The winner of those Big Ten matchups, for example, are going to shoot right up, right up there. Michigan won over Nebraska 32 uh, 29. They had the week off. They, they host Northwestern this coming week. You have Michigan State, who won by five over Indiana, 20-15. to 15. Indiana put up a fight at home. Michigan State uh, wins that game, um, and they have now, are, they're now a win away from their best season since 2017. Uh, their upcoming matchups, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, over the next few uh, weeks here. So we'll, we'll learn a lot about just where the Spartans stack up in that conference. We're going to find out a lot about Michigan State. We're going to find out a lot about Mel Tucker's yep. availability yeah. at LSU. Is he still a hot commodity in three weeks? Because every single hot board I've read about that LSU opening has Mel Tucker on the list. He could help himself if he doesn't want to be at Michigan State long term by winning one of those games uh, of the next three with Michigan State. And you see with those rankings you showed, Hutton, the undervalued, undefeated teams right now, Oklahoma State and Michigan State. That, that, that's who is not getting... The and, publicity of an unbeaten, unbeaten team based on whatever reason with those teams. And credit Oklahoma State, known for their defense. They trailed by 19. They, they're able to come back into that game scoring the, the final 19 points in that game. They trailed by 14 in the first half. And, and Jalen Warren went off. If you haven't watched him run the football, 193 yards rushing against Texas. Texas had a double-digit lead and gave it up again. It's been a rough few weeks. Uh, for Steve Sarkeesian and, and Texas. That, that was, uh, it's not a bad loss because it's against a top 10 team, but they were favored in that game going in. They had a big lead to lose it like that. Not good for Sark. Very good for Oklahoma State. This is a team that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. Their defense is one of the best in the country. And if they start to get the offense going, they've got the Utah State transfer at running back who had a huge game. He got recently uh, inserted into their starting lineup. Oklahoma State's a team to watch. Here's their schedule from now on out. They get Iowa State mm-hmm. on Fox at 2.30 Central Time this Saturday. If they win at Iowa State, no easy task. But if they go to Ames and win, it is Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. If they win those games, guys, you're looking at Bedlam, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma possibly being two unbeaten teams with a winner punching their ticket to the college football playoff that last week of the season. It was the 85-yard interception return for a touchdown from Jason Taylor II that, that, uh, that sparked everything for Oklahoma State. That gave them the boost that electrified their sideline and got them going in that game. 
Uh, you mentioned UConn. We should give them a shout out there. They, they in that losing streak, that 11 game losing streak, uh, they went for the first time since October 26, 2019, winning over Yale. They won 21 15. And there was actually, wasn't there like an untimed down or something at the end of the game where UConn did UConn things and gave Yale one more shot at the end zone? And lucky, I mean, lucky for them, it was incomplete. Yeah, and keep in mind with that losing streak, the, the losing streak doesn't sound that bad when you say 11 games, but the time is really bad because UConn opted out of football right. a year ago. They didn't play a single game in 2020, so the time between wins goes two years for UConn. But congratulations to them. It's Yale. Uh, it's not an FBS opponent. But still, uh, nice to get off that schneid if you're the Huskies. Oklahoma continues to win. Caleb Williams did not have the second game slump after his performance against Texas. Four more touchdown passes for the five-star freshman. He's the guy for the Sooners. Uh, they get it done this weekend over TCU, 52-31. Will practice be reopened this week? Or has the student newspaper ruined it for everyone for all time? Well, if that kid's even got a press credential... Uh, we don't know. They were uh, threatening to take the press credential away from him for doing that. Uh, Lincoln Riley's got his next stud quarterback. It's, it's very simple. When you look at Caleb he led, Williams, he, he's the next guy, and now what's becoming a very long line of great quarterbacks in Lincoln Riley's system. He led scoring drives on their first four possessions, and Oklahoma scored on eight of their first nine possessions in this game. And that's, that's the offense we've been accustomed to seeing from Oklahoma and they've been playing these tight games or comeback games with final drives and overtimes. That was not the case on Saturday uh, with their win over TCU. There are now 11 teams that remain unbeaten, six of those in the Power Five. One of those, Georgia, that is the clear-cut favorite right now uh, amongst the, the entire college football landscape. LSU was on top just a couple of years ago. Now they're going to be looking for a new head coach. And what has been a, just a bizarre two years Fred Ed Orgeron he goes from winning the national title Joe Burrow at the Heisman podium proclaiming that LSU needs to give coach O a lifetime contract to a year and a half later being out and not just fired but agreeing to step down after the season where they hold a press conference yesterday and the AD and coach O shake hands and agree that the timing is proper for him to step aside because he's not getting the job done based on expectations at LSU. Expectations at LSU where he just won the national title two years ago. And now he's, now he's admitting that what he's done after winning five games last year and the track they're on this year, despite winning against Florida, is not good enough. That's bizarre. I think there's a lot of other factors yes. involved in this. There's a lot of off-the-field uh, whispers. Um, that well, that's fine. Oh, that that coincides. Coincides. If, his record, if his record is anywhere close, of course, there, there are no whispers whatsoever. Of course. I'm saying that that made it easier to get rid of him this quickly, combined with the record. If well, they're, they're, not they're undefeated, they're reports. if they're undefeated, we're not talking about it. But, uh, you know, not cooperating with uh, sexual assault investigation, uh, some other things that are coming out on Ed Ogeron. It, it all combines to it. And the fact that I mentioned this weeks ago, Scott Woodward didn't hire this guy. I mean, it's no shock when you hear Ed Ogeron talk that maybe you know he might not be the brightest CEO of an organization. He's a football guy. That's what he knows. He's not the head of an organization. He's a football guy that caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Brady, 
who is a transcendent talent as a play caller. He knows how to recruit. He knows that program. He knows that state. He knows high school players. And it all worked for the perfect concoction for a championship with Joe Burrow coming over from Ohio State in that one year. And to me, it was always bound to fall apart eventually. That's why I think Ed Ogeron probably understands that when he's shaking hands with the AD and leaving. Also, other things that LSU has on him, I'm sure made it easier for him to shake hands and walk away and not put up a fight. But let's say this about that win over Florida. One of the reports after he got fired was the players don't want to play for him. It was eroding from within. The coaches didn't want to be there. Players didn't want to be there. What does that say for Dan Mullen in Florida? You yeah, just no, got beat by a team that was a double-digit underdog that supposedly players don't want to be there for Ogeron. I'm not buying that part of it. I think there are players that want to be there playing at LSU for Coach O. I'm not completely buying this. Well, players didn't even want to be a part of it. Some maybe didn't that have already been injured or opted out, but they played hard well, on Saturday. One thing the Athletic reported uh, uh, you know, was that he divorced his wife pretty quickly after that national championship. And that, um, you know, he was planning, uh, you know, where he was going to be at a pool with his next date as much as he was planning football stuff, that he wasn't the singular football guy after the national championship that he was before the national championship. And I think, you know, they put up with some of the antics maybe when he was 95% football guy, 5% antics, but the antics level went up after he won, and uh, when that's not coming with wins, like you're saying. Oh, that, that, that's, where you, that's the lead. That's not, that's not the subtitle there. The, the lead is he's not winning. That's why he's not, no longer the coach after this season. Agree. Well, no one's arguing that that's why he's not going to be the coach. We're saying that this makes it easier to get rid of him quickly, and this makes it easier for Ed Ogeron, big fighter why guy, pay him to se- come in and shake his why hand. Why pay the $17 million buyout? Because they know they're not, they're going to end up being uh, caught in court back and forth, and it's going to cost them more money to not pay it. If Orgeron, that's why Orgeron's happy to shake hands and leave because they're going to pay him the buyout also, and LSU has the money to do it. Yeah, full buyout, and he said yesterday he's not even going to bother coaching uh, next year. Not going to get back into coaching yeah, for a year. He's taking a year off. Um, he said, I think he he said that he can afford afford a few hamburgers now. After his 47 years in coaching. I think he's had some hamburgers previously. And he said maybe even a double patty. Oh. Uh, he added that in, yeah. <laughs> that could be taken on two levels. Coach, coach A. He's coach have o, two yeah. patties or two patties. <laughs> whatever he wants. What, whatever whatever Coach uh, O wants. And hey, it's, and if, it's, if, uh, if they were winning, time for, if they were winning, LSU would hand deliver it. Will Wade continues to coach at LSU. Yeah, it's uh, it's this. The summer of Ed is coming up. <laughs> the summer of Ed's going to last about 10 years from here on out for, for Ed Ogeron. More college and NFL discussion uh, halfway through the show and a lot of headlines to hit. We will get into our top performers from the NFL weekend next. So now kick 360. Plenty of Tennessee Vols and Tennessee Titans analysis and discussion headed your way. I'll kick 360 rolls on. Some big winners across the NFL weekend. Top performers. It's hard to pick just one player from the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott was excellent. He's got a calf injury, uh, but he says it's not going to be that big of a deal. Maybe his mobility is hampered. Good news is Dallas is on a bye week now after winning against New England yesterday. Trayvon Diggs, though, has been outstanding. Another pick six for him. 
He's the first player in the Super Bowl era to have seven or more interceptions and multiple returns for a touchdown in the history of the game through six weeks. He's got uh, yeah, seven and six games. But he comes back from that pick that he had and gets beat uh, by Kendrick Bourne for a big touchdown. The thing that I like oh, that most. That was the safety. The safety was atrocious on that play. Well, Diggs he took, back. Diggs took the blame for that and said he needs to be over top of that guy. And that, that's the thing I like the most about him in that game um, is the way that he um, took, uh, took blame. For, for his mistake and, and talked about that a lot more than, than the pick yeah. and, uh, and the pick streak and said, you know, I can't let that mistake happen again. I won't watch. Um, and you got to really like his accountability. Uh, you know, he's playing in a lot of ways better than his brother. Stephon Diggs, who'll be here tonight, he's averaging 74 and a half yards a, a game. It's not bad, but you haven't heard a lot of Stephon Diggs' name this year. Not nearly as only much a couple as Trevon Diggs. Yeah. yeah, only a couple touchdowns. And in, in considering just the impact of what the, the return for touchdown, teams this year are 10-3 and three with a defensive return and interception return for a touchdown. It swings the game. And, and this guy's had multiple of those, and now he's got seven interceptions. He's been, he's been fantastic. It would be hard for him not to win defensive player of the year if he yeah. does anything the rest of the way. Um. Dallas wins their fifth straight game. They're really good. And, and, and Prescott, uh, you know, I wasn't he's all phenomenal. in on Prescott before this year, but he's been just fantastic. I mean, he had 445 yard passing yards yesterday. That's almost 50 yards better than anybody else in the league. That's uh, stellar. You know who else was stellar is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, and I know they're playing the Lions. But again, but they, it, this they, goes back to my theme. Good team knocking out good the bad teams. Team. Take advantage of the layups in this league. There are stat-stuffing games that exist in the National Football League. And here's a great example. Bengals win over the Lions 34-11. to Joe Burrow passed for 271 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Jamar Chase led the team, 97 receiving yards in this game. Um, the Lions had one yard of total offense in the first quarter. They had 61 yards of total offense at halftime. And... It was interesting to hear the coaching staff call out Jared Goff postgame. Good for them. He's like, hey, we need more from this guy. He was a little hesitant at first, Dan Campbell. He started talking about the things around him. He paused. And he gave it some context, and he paused. It was like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? And then he did it. He said, but yeah, we need more from this guy. He, he, can, he can give us more. And he can, clearly. I think that one of the most interesting things about Cincinnati in that game, and one of the most telling things, if I'm not mistaken, is that Joe Burrow's backup finish that game so you're talking about finishing an opponent like you're supposed to and the, the local example here is what Tennessee failed to do in a trip to the New York Jets the Cincinnati Bengals who were were the bad team that the Titans lost to a year ago in a year have gotten themselves in position where they're playing the backup quarterback to finish a game against the lowly line yeah and uh Joe Burrow has thrown two or more touchdown passes in every game this season there's only one other quarterback in the league that's done that and it's Patrick Mahomes um, Mahomes and the Chiefs did not play their best ball. But they were lucky to draw the yeah, Washington. They, they got Washington. And here's the difference in, in why they were able to run away with this game. Um, to me, you have to have the Brandon Staley approach where you cannot settle for field goals. And Washington, for whatever reason, Ron Rivera was willing to settle for field goals early. They were not aggressive. They were just playing the scoreboard. And at the time, it was a defensive game. 
And you have to play KC as if they're going to catch fire and it's a shootout. That's just the mentality you have to take. And Washington wasn't willing to risk it. They were not willing to go there. And you can say, well, they don't have Justin Herbert and they don't have the wide receiver depth at Washington. And you you can point to those issues and point to the lack of a run game, whatever you want. But if you can't do those things, if you can't play aggressive, you're not going to beat the Chiefs. Even on a bad day and against the Chiefs defense that's allowing 31 a game. They, they are going to flip the field on you. They are going to put up 31 or more points. And the question is, can you match it and have the ball last after being aggressive throughout the game? See, some teams just aren't equipped to, to do it. I, I just don't think Washington's equipped to do it. And, and it starts with the quarterback, right? Like, we like Heineke's story, but he's, he's not good enough. No. He's got to be better. 4.7 yards per completion. Again. I mean, you've got to take shots. Kansas City's defense was terrible. They were not willing coming to into go. This they game were not they, willing to do it. Right. But in order it's, also, it's also a defense that has not recorded a sack in back-to-back games now. And no other team in the NFL has gone back-to-back games with the, without a sack. They're not doing much at all defensively. And that, and that's what they, they're built to do, first and foremost, right? But right now, against Kansas City, they're totally beatable. But you have to be able to stand toe-to-toe with them. And there are certain teams in the league that just aren't built to stand toe-to-toe with them. So they play Washington, and they're going to win. But even if you're – I mean, you've got to take the chances. I just thought yeah. Washington's no, right. plan was Conservative. very milk toast to go against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You've got to take more chances and, and do some things. And I just See, That's what they are, though. Like, I, I mean, they could have tried what you're saying, but it wouldn't have worked. I mean, against that defense, who knows? You don't know until you try. That defense has been so bad – Maybe you catch fire for one day because they haven't been able to stop anyone. Well, it's an interesting discussion because um, you have to be flexible enough to change your stripes. Mm-hmm. And Rivera is old school enough that uh, I don't want to say that Washington is completely a we are who we are team, but they're probably more from that school, right? And how many teams are from that school anymore? You're moving away from that or if you're a we are who you we are team you're more like kansas city well or, like we're just going to sling it and take our chances that you can't keep up with us but if you're that team you have to possess the ball like you you have to and take run. chances on fourth down and keep possession even if you're not going for the end zone it's not about always going for the end zone it's just about possessing the football yeah and and that you're was the biggest issue yesterday either. with washington um, the Ram, speaking of good teams taking care of bottom feeders, the Rams go on the road to the Meadowlands. Uh, they destroy the Giants, who are just horrendous. 38-11 to 11 the final. The Rams put up 28 points in the second quarter. Daniel Jones had three picks. He lost a fumble. And this has, got, this has to be the nightmare because he missed practice all week due to concussion protocol. Seven days ago, he suffers the concussion. He's knocked out of the game against the, the Dallas Cowboys. Gets back in and has to face that defensive front with Leonard Floyd and with Aaron Donald, uh, who just swarmed him throughout the entire game. Uh, that front combined for nine quarterback pressures, three sacks, two forced fumbles. Floyd generated a pressure on 15% of his snaps, on his pass rush snaps in the game. I mean, they, they got after him. And really, the, the praise, I, I could point out to Stafford. because He played really well, but it's Cooper Cup. This guy, amazing. I don't know how you defend him. And nine receptions, 130 yards. He had two touchdowns. And this is a week-in, week-out approach where he's the highest-targeted player for their offense. You know he's going to be having the, the football thrown his way. And the guy produces week-in and week-out. 
if I'm not mistaken, I saw a note the Giants became yesterday the losingest team over the last five years in the league, which I find a little hard to believe based on the existence of Detroit. Jacksonville, though that one good year was in the last five years for Jacksonville. Uh, but the existence of Detroit. Um, but also it helped that the Jets had a bye week. <laughs> it really did. It's a, it's a one-game difference well, from the Jets. Oh, it is, is it? Well, maybe the Giants have the bye week coming up. I'm not sure. Um, and it'll even itself out. The Giants are now 1-5. They have lost their last two games by a combined 51 points. Now, they're without Saquon Barkley again. They're without Kenny Galladay. Um, again, Daniel Jones has been Shall thrown around like a rag doll. It's, it's not pretty with what they have going on. And Stafford posted, he posted his second four-touchdown performance. I mean, can Daniel Jones show you enough in the remaining, what, uh, no. 11 games to make you know. not draft the quarterback well, with your top five pick? If you're Detroit if or New good York, enough what quarterbacks? do you do? Well, the fact that I currently, while we're talking about this, have up the top quarterback <laughs> prospects for next year, my answer is no. Uh, Daniel Jones, there's but nothing who are he can the do top, at this We've point. talked a lot about how there aren't it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weaker year for quarterbacks because there's not the singular no-brainer NFL prospect. Yeah, people will fall in love, though. I'm at a pro football focus right now. They, their top prospects, Malik Willis at Liberty is number one, Matt Corral, number two, Sam Howell at North Carolina, number three, and then you're getting into Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh territory uh, from that point down. There's not the... Hands down, no brainer. This is the there's top. not the Joe Burrow, Trevor or, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, there's not that guy in in this draft. And I'll say, you know, Which Zach is great. Wilson. The Giants will get another guy who's a lot like the guy they have if they don't get yeah. the top one, and then they'll go back into the or same they get cycle. Corral. Yeah, if they luck into Corral. I mean, I'm I'm watching Matt Corral this season, thinking Giants could do a lot worse. No, oh, he's uh, he's with the Giants he'd be or the good Lions. In New York. Yeah, he's with the Giants or the Lions. I don't know how you don't draft. You, you, those, those, you have to take. You have a to take a quarterback. I, oh, I'm with absolutely. you. Yeah. I, I don't care if it's a down year for quarterbacks or not. You've got to take one of the top quarterbacks when you're those teams. Finally, shout out to uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Colts running back, who just destroyed the Texans, 31 to three. This was one of my upset picks that did not hit. Houston did not have an answer for Indy whatsoever. Uh, the Colts ran 31 plays through three quarters. They scored 31 points in the game. They had 31 plays total against this Houston Texans defense. That's how efficient they were in, in possession and scoring throughout this game. The Texans reached the red zone one time. I mean, just horrid. What was Taylor's split on rushing and receiving? They didn't give him the ball much uh, in the first it. half, um, but he, he ran all over them. I can pull up the exact numbers. But the the big scoring plays involved Jonathan Taylor going off. Well, he was the, the, yeah fourteen for one forty five. So that's a ten point four average with two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he's he, the leading he rusher them. in the league. He gashed them yesterday. That's terrific for him. I know. I, I was uh, watching uh, football night in America last night, and they were talking about how the the Colts have stayed steadfast that they are a true contender to win the AFC South. And I'm watching the way the Colts took care of an awful opponent yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the way Baltimore dispatched of the Chargers after playing so close with Indy. And I'm thinking to myself, Titans don't win tonight at home against maybe the best team in the AFC. It's a one-game separation in the division at that point. And well, one-game separation and one game would separate them from the next head-to-head matchup and the final matchup between the Colts and Titans of the season. The Titans have the Bills, Chiefs, and then the Colts. 
uh, in Indy. And here's why they're not... I think many buried the Colts a little too early. Well, here's why they're they're not buried. Here's why they're not dead and gone. Um, As two guys in Colts jerseys come by in scooters. two, Two reasons. First, their defense has 12 takeaways in six games. That's number one. Number two, Carson Wentz, who is known to be turnover prone in Philly and it will fumble the football when he's sacked. He hasn't done it. He has one interception and one lost fumble on the season. That's, that's, that's the second key here. He's not turning the football over and their defense gets takeaways and gives them extra possessions. Crazy to think. I don't care who you're playing. They had 31 snaps through three quarters great and destroyed their opponent. That was a massacre yesterday. This is a uh, defining month for the AFC South. Maybe Houston ends up with Matt Corral. Could be. From uh, Deshaun Watson to Matt Corral. Hopefully uh, Matt Corral doesn't have similar issues well, to Deshaun Watson. get themselves a lot there of draft go. picks, I would, do my, I would do my well, research you on You talk that. about a team that had a terrible weekend. Uh, Miami. Really, oh. really bad. Hey, Losing shout to out. the Jags. And uh, they need a quarterback. Shout out to Urban Meyer. Uh, if you watch the finish of this game... They could have gone for a 60-yard field goal, somewhere oh, around 60. Very smart play. And Got an eight-yard gain. Eight-yard gain with, with five, seconds. five seconds, quick slant uh, to LaVishka Chenault. Perfect timeout. execution. Perfect execution. With one second left. By Trevor Lawrence. They get the timeout as he's sliding. And the play was called slider. Peter King said the play's called yeah. slider. It's a five-second play. They did it in four seconds. They had to do it's, it in four seconds. It was great. And, and it set up. Uh, this this kicker, Matthew Wright, in his first game, who was activated on Saturday in London, um, he hit a 52-yarder earlier in the game, and then it was a 53-yarder, excuse me, longest of his career, even going back to college. Nailed it for the tie. They get it to overtime, and then he hits a 54-yarder for the win, and the, the, the Jags pick up their first victory. Their first field goals of the year. They were field goalless. Go heading into that game. He's the first kicker in NFL history to make multiple field goals of 50 or more yards in the final four minutes of the fourth quarter in a single game ever. Hey, and he's the tenth. He's the tenth different kicker this year to hit a kick for the win as time expired. I thought that team was going to crumble. It has has not crumbled. Well, all it took for Urban Meyer to reverse yeah. his fortunes in the NFL was to leave the continent. Who knew? Once he did well, that, and, he was fine. And John Gruden's emails to surface. John Gruden's emails to surface. That helped a lot. And Jacoby Brissett to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. All those things conspired no, it, to help it, it him. it was Tua. It was Tua. Oh, sorry, Tua. Yeah, Tua yeah. returned yesterday. Well, either way. Yeah, it's um, not much better. But, I mean, it's, it's funny that, you know, you're talking about coaches in the spotlight for bad reasons. Uh, two guys that we thought team had completely quit on them was LSU in the college game with Ed Ogeron and then Urban Meyer. And both get wins over the weekend. And also, Las yeah. Vegas had every chance to to mail oh, it a, in with with what Gruden gone, and they rallied. How about Carr? Terrific. Uh, and he he completed eighteen of twenty seven for three forty one. They so threw eighteen deep. for three forty one. They were mailing it. They threw deep, and th- th- this was not a catch and go. Watching this, th- th- this was not like some quick slant, and AJ Brown takes it for seventy. No, these were. These were this was Al bombs, Davis game. bombs, um, and the heat is now turned up on Vic Fangio in Denver. How quickly uh, life comes at you in the NFL. Life comes at you fast. 
because Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos started 3-0. and They've now lost three consecutive games, and now the heat is turned up a notch, maybe a couple notches, on Fangio, uh, who's going in the wrong direction quickly. Um, yeah, I saw a rumor line about George Patton maybe wanting his own guy. Well, well done by a, a group uh, with the Raiders that could have folded and just mailed it in. Five sacks defensively against Teddy Bridgewater. They got Bridgewater to finally commit a turnover on the season. They, they did a nice job top to bottom. And again, it started with Carr. Charles Woodson said he called Derek Carr this week to let him know, hey, guys are going to look to you because you've been there the longest now. Uh, you have a very loud voice if you want to use it uh, in the locker room. He's not even, I don't think he was saying publicly, just in the locker room. If you want to lead, you've got an interim head coach. You're the guy. You're the leader of the team. And Carr played like it yesterday against the Broncos. Rich Basakia headed to NFL Coach of the Year. If this uh, trend <laughs> continues, that's the turnaround. Over he if did they nice just, job. If they now go on a run and they get in the playoffs, maybe Coach of the Year. And how about the Packers game plan against the Bears? They just decided to run it. Making a big deal out of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was responding to a woman giving him the double birds uh, at Soldier Field, right? Yes. He said, That's I own you, said. I've always owned you. Um, I don't have a problem with it. But guys, speaking the truth, I mean, he's like 25-3 and three or something against the Bears. Some, some ridiculous number. Yeah, um, I've got zero issue with that. Yeah. He's telling the truth. Telling the truth and... You know, if he's telling the truth about reacting to somebody, it's also not, like, unprovoked. It's like, you know, if somebody's giving it to you, you're giving it back to them in the form of the truth. What is the issue people have with it? Oh, I just think people, uh, you know, thought it was not the classiest. People don't like Aaron Rodgers. That's why people don't like that. Probably part of it. I mean, it makes sense. If Patrick Mahomes does it, he's glorified for it. He's on the cover of Madden. (laughs) (laughs) we're going to spend uh, segments on television shows talking about look just look at the moxie of this Patrick Mahomes (laughs) what a competitive drive I mean he let that woman have it in the stands this guy (laughs) just knows exactly what his team needs the pulse of the league runs through Patrick Mahomes from the right angle that would show the double bird woman I'd just like to see it uh he and he said he he blacked out he's like I don't even remember what I said after that I just saw the double bird and let it fly yeah um, it was a good response. But the game plan was interesting, though, because they they decided to just dink and duck against this uh, against this Bears defense. He was fifteen for fifteen on passes of ten yards or less, and then they just decided to turn around and hand off. They won twenty four to what was the final twenty four fourteen the final. That division does not. I, I know the Vikings are coming on, but that doesn't do much for me. I, th- I think the Packers will coast. In the end. We can discuss more about the Vikings later this week with uh, their quarterback play, which is a bit surprising. Um, Even though they have some playmakers offensively, uh, they put up a ton of yards yesterday. Um, Quarterback issues in in Carolina, too, with Sam Darnold, who is, I mean, he he was like 17 of 41 passing yesterday. Just horrible. They had no business staying in that game and somehow stayed in that game and forced overtime. Uh, Seahawks and Steelers, no business being in overtime there either. And the Steelers let the Seahawks back in it. They were up 14-0 and uh, quickly it was tied 17-all. Goes to overtime and T.J. Watt just took over. 
that game. Got to feel him coming on the, on, on the play that wins the game pretty much where he was like tripled, but then he just came around the back to force the Geno Smith sack that basically decides the game. And Russell Wilson, just stay away. Like, do, do you need the, the pregame walkthrough? No, to go out and do the coin the toss in overtime. Uh, is that even allowed? Yeah, it's allowed. He's, I mean, I've seen injured players out there before. Um, also, he's like, I mean, he helped the team there because uh, what is DK Metcalf doing exactly? I don't this know. was very well, dumb. Let's get into that later because what, what are they doing reviewing that play? Yeah, there was no reason to review that play, but there would have been a second left on the clock. They would have looked at it and they spiked it with a second left. But Still, there's no reason that's to review an added, that play. That's an e- easy timeout. That, I mean, that, that's, a, that's extra time to set up what you want to do. Uh, Tomlin is furious, and he's going to get fined for it, and yeah, I wish he, he would just rip them harder for rightly it. rightly furious. Metcalf, it was a dumb play. It was a dumb review. Uh, it was weird all around. Coming up, three takeaways from what we learned on the field about the Tennessee Volunteers. They fall to Ole Miss moving forward, Alabama, but we look ahead a bit to the, the upcoming opponents and the quarterback situation. We'll update you on Hendon Hooker's injury, that and more, plus... In about 20 minutes, a full game day preview of tonight's matchup between the Titans and Bills on OutKick 360. What we learned about the Tennessee Volunteers on the field coming up in just a matter of minutes. But first, though, uh, we, we do need to spend a couple of minutes on the Atlanta Braves. Wow. Wow. What A couple of finishes to take a 2-0 series lead over the Dodgers. Um, outstanding comeback last night. Uh, resilient, maybe doesn't even properly describe the team right now, Chad. And this is without Freddie Freeman even doing anything but striking out. Freddie Freeman has not been good other than a big moment in the bottom of the eighth inning to eliminate the Milwaukee Brewers with a home run off Josh Hader. Um, he is, I, I hate to say this for a guy that I love, but it's its typical Freddie Freeman in the postseason. He doesn't have a hit or a walk in he, the series. He forgets how to hit uh, when, when October comes around. You know who doesn't forget how to hit when October comes around? Jock Peterson. It is Jocktober. Or, or Riley. And uh, I, I want to I get your guys' take on the, the pearl necklace that he's wearing during the games, and now that's become a fan <laughs> favorite because when he hit that two-run homer, it was a great scene in Atlanta. That place was on fire. Yeah. But he hits that two and homer, and they go to the crowd shots, and it's dudes wearing long uh, <laughs> pearl necklaces, and all the women wearing pearl necklaces. It makes me laugh Chad, would when you wear something a pearl like necklace? that catches hold. It's funny. Would you be in the crowd wearing a pearl necklace? Odd, but funny. No, I would not. Uh, not a pearl necklace guy. I know that shocks everyone. Nor um, am I a chain guy. You know, they, there are a lot of people wearing the, the chain has really come back. The gold chain never was a chain guy. Love chains. Yeah, they do. I, that would have, it would bother me running. running. It, it bounces yeah. around. It doesn't seem to bother anybody. Uh, now they have Charlie Morton on the mound for game three. Braves were up 2-0 last year, so I hesitate to get my hopes too high for this series, but there is something intangible about this group and about every acquisition they made at the trade deadline. And you saw another it's, one last night. They came right. through in the, in the bottom of the ninth with the game-winning hit, but every one they brought on has worked out. Uh, amazingly well for for the Braves. So crazy things happen in October in baseball. I had this team buried and dead back in June, July, especially when Acuna was out for the year. They're doing this without their best player, without their best power hitter, without their best pitcher. 
it's it's remarkable right now to to watch this team. And I thought they were dead at four two down last night. You know, they had two separate two run deficits in a game that was razor's edge, and to come through two runs in the eighth, the the winner in the ninth. It feels like a team of destiny, but we'll see. I felt this way before, too. How am I going to come to work if they win this thing, Hutton? Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you? Become a, become this, a Braves fan, Paul. Come on, jump on board. Be they can be your national league team. It's a great story. I mean, again, like the, the way that they bought instead of sold at the trade deadline is remarkable considering the injuries that they had to their best players. A team that I've mocked for years and years holding the title will be very difficult for me. I mean, knocking that they would have to go through Boston and, and uh, LA to do it. You should be heralding the, everything that they stand for. Braves versus Red Sox, Paul. Braves, go Braves. Okay, good. Well, maybe that'll be the series. So you can jump on board if that's if that's a World <laughs> Series. I mean, I'm in such a bad spot right now. I'm desperate for the Astros to pull one out. That's that's bad considering your hatred of the Astros and their cheating. The, the Vols lose to Ole Miss on Saturday night. I and mean, if you miss portions of today's show, go back and listen to the start of the show for our take on what was just a terrible scene. I mean, uh, Tennessee's going to suspend uh, fans, uh, ban them from the stadium for throwing things. They were fined $250,000 uh, by the SEC. Um, and They're going to get their bench moved next year? Get their bench moved? Didn't, didn't they... Go to the other side of the well, stadium. Well, there were there were a lot of people section. saying that the student shouldn't be allowed to be behind the opposing team. So maybe they could flip the student section or have move they, the sidelines. Have they been to A and M? I mean, I think. I mean, it, I know I know I'm going to sound crazy here, but I think uh, it, that's a little bit of an overreaction, yeah. considering this is the only time I can remember a game at Neyland Stadium being stopped for stuff being thrown on the field. If it happens again. Great. People can, you know, uh, remove students from the game altogether or flip the sidelines, whatever you want to do. But let's maybe hold tight to see if it happens again first. Um, Ole Miss had a clear advantage in the first half. And Chad, I think I sent you a text at halftime. They should have been up 24 points, not 12. And at that point, Tennessee came out, took the ball, went down and scored. What a huge boost to everything that Heupel was doing, despite the fact that they were dominated in the first half. They were not doing much of anything. Ole Miss ran 61 plays. They did it by running the football, right? I mean, it, they, they possessed the ball. I mean, it, they did everything right but score like they should have against Tennessee's defense in that first half. And then Tennessee's defense did a nice job with them in the second half. Well, it was it, just the start of that game was so crazy. You know, Tennessee gets a stop. They force a punt for Ole Miss. Yeah. They muff the punt. They gift Ole Miss their first touchdown of the game. And then Tennessee comes right back. Looks like they have a scoop and score touchdown. They don't. They did. But then they, they pin did. them. They did. <laughs> and, but according to the SEC officials, they didn't. Then they pin Ole Miss deep. They get a safety of all things against Ole Miss with yeah. Tennessee's defense. It was a weird first half. But late in the second quarter, Tennessee's down 24-9 and punts it back to Ole Miss. And I'm thinking at the time, this Ole Miss offense is going to really get going now. It's 31-9 at halftime, and it's a blowout. Instead, Tennessee gets a stop. They go down and kick a field goal. How about the, the icing the kicker three separate times, too? I would use a, it. Another moment in that game that I thought was just typical Kiffin, which was smart. I would have done the same thing, and I loved sort of the troll factor of it when he was doing it and the fans were booing on each one. Thankfully for Tennessee, Chase McGrath hit the kick. But Tennessee, when they came out of the locker room and scored to start the second half, that's when I thought, okay, game on. 
they've weathered the storm at this point, and they're down 24-19 to at that point. Good resilience from Tennessee. What did I learn in this game, Hutton, more than anything else? Tennessee is, has no depth. Oh, we knew that coming into the they're season. They're paper thin. They're, they're paper thin, and they've got a, a former walk-on playing right tackle uh, when, when Cade Mays went out. And expectations go down the drain if Hendon Hooker can't play. That's what, that's what we also learned. I would not expect him to this. play this week, not that they had a shot against Alabama either way. Would you go with Milton? I would go with Harrison Bailey in Milton. this game. Yeah, who, I would dismiss Milton from the team for <laughs> foolishness. You get out. You get out. We preview Monday Night Football next on OutKick 360.